0: You're listening to Hashtag No filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you in trouble. though. Oh, you? yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And right. that's your chronic state. That's <laughs> 24-7. My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives, I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? Uh uh-uh, uh happy Wednesday, happy hump day. I don't know where you're at in the world, but in Los Angeles it is cold, it is rainy. I'm kind of into this like a chilly weather vibe feeling my best. I like the rain. I wanted, I was working out at the gym, um, this morning and I wanted to like run out in the rain and just like gallop in all of the water. But then by the time I finished my workout, it was like, just like a light drizzle and it wasn't like that hard rain that you get in like a rom-com. So sadly I wasn't able to do that. I wasn't able to just dance around naked in the rain for my neighbors to see. And I even was like, well, you know what? Why don't I get in the pool, you know? Because, like, that would be cool. And it will be like a – what are they? The It's popular right now, the um, cold plunges where you you get in the cold, icy, cold water. And I thought that that would be really fun. But, sadly, that didn't happen either. And I think you're not supposed to, like, get in the pool because you can get electrocuted if you get in the pool when it rains. Is that a real thing? You can get electrocuted? Did I just make that up? I probably just made that up. Well, anyway. Hopefully, you guys are having a great week thus far. Hopefully, you tuned into Book Club last night, and if you didn't, we kicked off Matthew Perry's book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, which is his addiction, and the book is very focused on his addiction. More on his addiction more than his life is what we're learning, but we read the first couple of chapters. We will be continuing to break down the next several chapters over the next couple of weeks or the next few weeks, so if you want to join our book club. It is every Tuesday evening, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. We also go live on Thursday nights on the YouTube. Same time every Thursday night. We have a lot of fun. I'll be doing after party. Our members only after party for this month. So that'll be fun. Got some rental receipts, got some uh, scoop on meeting Sutton's assistant for the first time. So all good things, all good times. Also, hold up, oh, wait a minute, we got some breaking news, some breaking Girardi news, everybody, that just hit hit the presses per Law 360 on Tuesday, Tuesday evening, rather, while everyone was out voting or tweeting and and complaining about the, the election and the votes from the election. And, you know, I mean, listen, I feel like every time there's an election day, people are always going to find something to complain about. Um, maybe you voted, maybe you didn't. I voted. I voted from, from my apartment. So and then I went and I, I took my ballot in. But anyway, if you're over the election news, there's other breaking news that is non-election related, and that is that Christopher Camone, remember that name? Chris Camone, the former CFO of Girardi Keys, has been arrested and charged with wire fraud out in Baltimore unclear why he was arrested in Baltimore, but I guess that's where he was currently at. The feds were like, we're going to do this. The FBI was like, we got this. We're investigating it. We're making an arrest. Okay. He's the CFO, which is the chief financial officer, AKA the bookkeeper for Girardi Keyes. And it's about clink, clink, bitch. He got arrested so the arrest was in relationship to something that went down back in september of 2020 which is just before erica filed for divorce in november it was also just before tom went under conservatorship and it was just before shit hit the fan come what november december when jay edelson blew this whole scandal up so ooh, timing is not looking all that great but Apparently, the feds have been looking into him, and they found something that they can stick on him, and so they have arrested him, and they have charged him with wire fraud. He's currently incarcerated. I don't know if incarcerated would be the right word, but he's currently at a detention facility out in Baltimore, so it's unclear if this is directly related to Girardi Keyes or possibly another case or another client. A lot of the details are concealed and have not been made public. We just know that he has been arrested and it is in relation in relation to something that went down in September 2020. It's most likely related to something Girardi Keyes, right? I would guess I would put money on the fact that it's probably something that they've been looking into and they finally tied something to him. Something went down. Not all the info is public yet. We do know that last year, the bankruptcy trustee wanted Kimone to testify and to help, you know, give them information on Girardi-Keese. He was pleading the fifth. He's like, no way, Jose. Not going to bother with that. Not talking to you guys because I don't want to self-incriminate. So if he wasn't talking before, I'm pretty sure the handcuffs are going to make him start talking now. He has a hearing this upcoming Thursday We'll see where things go next. Lots of people are also asking about Tom and Erica and whether or not they'll be arrested next and how this impacts them. It doesn't impact either of them very much, really. Tom can't be arrested. He can't be charged with anything because he's currently under conservatorship. So he's technically not of sound mind. So you can't really lock somebody up if they're not in their right mind. Obviously, if they commit a crime and they're, you know... Charges are pursued. A lot of times you can be um, guilty by reason of insanity, and then you're like locked up in a facility or something. In this case, Tom has Alzheimer's and dementia. And, you know, according to the courts, he's definitely not of sound mind. And so this could very likely be an attempt of his to avoid any jail time or to avoid any accountability, or he really could be in that bad of shape, whatever the case may be. His attorney, his conservator, his brother has already made it clear that he can't. He's not of his. He's not in his right mind. So, if anything, if you put him under oath or if you put him on the stand, he's just going to plead the fifth. He's not going to actually answer anything. And then at this point, if you really do have Alzheimer's or dementia, your only option is to plead the fifth. Otherwise, you're going to be talking some nonsense. So, again, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I haven't evaluated him. I can't say whether or not he really does have it to the degree that he. Claims or that his conservator is claiming that he does, but it does look like it is his get out of jail free card. I mean, I think he had a really big ego. I think he loved being an attorney. I think he definitely loved the power and influence that he had. So some could argue that this is some sort of imprisonment the fact that he is no longer able to practice law, the fact that his reputation is completely down the drain, the fact that he's locked up in in an assisted care facility. You know, some people could argue that, I mean, maybe that is a form of prison for him. Or he's living his best Florida life, you know? He's retired. He has people that feed him jello, and he's just, you know, doing the damn thing. At this point, I don't know. When it comes to Erica, she never worked at the law firm, she never had any fiduciary responsibility to anyone at or connected to the law firm. The law firm and its partners are the ones that are on the hook for that and its contractors. Obviously, Chris Kimone, I believe he was a contractor. He ran the books for Girardi Keys. Eric had no culpability. She's not been charged with anything. It's very unlikely that she will be charged with anything. The most that they have on her, or the most damning thing that they have on her, is the accusation of her being the front woman of the racketeering scheme that is alleged by Jay Edelson. He has his lawsuit out. It's a very hefty lawsuit. He's coming after all of them, and he's dragged Erica into it as well. I've always thought that the accusation was a little flimsy to say that she was the front woman and that she was probably the front woman or that it's possible that she was the front woman unknowingly and that her only job was to just project wealth. I think it's common. Um, If you're cast on a show called The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, that's a show about affluence and luxury, then of course you're going to flaunt your money, right? It's what all the housewives do. It's kind of, you know, par for the course. I don't think that it was part of a scheme, to, you know, project Tom as wealthy in an attempt to deflect from his shady dealings at the firm. I don't believe she had any idea about what was going on at the firm. And I actually don't think she cared what was going on at the firm because she was just living her own life. You know, I've always thought the accusation was flimsy and and really just a PR grab. Right. I think it's smart on Edelson's end to use her, you know, for the PR attention aspect of it because it's getting more interest. It's getting more eyes on the case. I don't think they'll end up tying anything to her. Um, They're just saying, you know, she was the face behind the operation and that all the men used her as like a, a mascot. They propped her up and she was the mascot to make it look like Tom Girardi was successful. Meanwhile, they were running all the, you know, the shady dealings behind the scenes and she didn't know anything about it she was a pretty she was pretty she was a young trophy wife i don't think she asked any questions i don't think she actually really cared she was living her life i don't think her and tom had that deep of a relationship i think it was a very transactional relationship it was probably a lot better when she was a lot younger and then eventually as she started to gain her own sort of fame i think she became a lot more independent and didn't really need Tom as much. And I think Tom probably had his little side hose on the side. He had Trisha A. Bigelow with her new butt in her beach house. And he was living his best life with her. And she was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah. Ha 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 Let me pop another Viagra and I'm good. So how will Camone's arrest affect Erica? I don't think it really does. Unless he has any sort of information that can incriminate her in some in some way. I think that's unlikely because, again, she never actually worked there. I would imagine her and Kimone didn't have many interactions, if any, other than being like, hey, Chris, here's another invoice for, you know, my new It's Expensive to Be Me music video. I just, I don't think that they would have had much overlap. Camon was the bookkeeper at Girardi Keys, so I would imagine him and Tom would would have to have spoken intimately. Camon signed off on all of the transactions. Camon knew where the money was going from, knew where the money was coming from. He knew where the money was going. He was in charge of the books with Tom. Camon also benefited from all of this because he got a cut of things, right? So again, unless he has anything that can actually incriminate her... I think if anything, his arrest will be able to hold the real power players accountable. And if anything, probably relieves Erica because they're like, she really either they're going to try to pin something on her. But I don't think they can pin anything on her that wouldn't come back to bite them because they were all the ones that were actually in on all of this. You know, you can't say she was signing the checks because she was never in the law firm. And unless her signature is on some of the checks, You can't say that she knew any of the stuff, right? Whereas Kimone had to sign off on this stuff. He was the one in charge of all of this stuff with Tom. So if anything, Kimone and Tom are probably the most culpable. And if anything, I think he'll probably direct his attention towards Lyra or Griffin, Keith Griffin. I think he'll probably throw them under the bus. Or it's very likely that the strategy then becomes, let's throw it all off on Tom. Because we know if we put it all off on Tom, nothing's going to happen to Tom. Nothing can happen to Tom because he's under conservatorship. So if that may be a strategy that I can see them playing as well, is it was all Tom. And then that would kind of help, they would be able to not really throw him under the bus because somebody would be able to take the fall for it and it's somebody that can't really be held accountable. So they're all kind of still protecting each other at the end of the day. I would imagine Camone's going to try to cut a deal, especially the first to be arrested. Usually that's where they start. He has the most culpability. So I would imagine he would want to go after some of the other bigger players. And I imagine Keith Griffin and David Lira will be the next on the target list we also had De Niro um or not De Niro De Nardo sorry De Nardo, who was one of the lenders that is apparently also looped in on all of this because he kept giving Tom money knowing that Tom wasn't paying back these loans but yet he kept giving Tom loans that's also a little fishy so it's possible that like De Nardo is is mixed in in this in some weird way as well we'll have to see but I guess this is a start and it's a movement and We'll just have to see how it all plays out. But this is all criminal now. We're not like, you know, we'll see how this impacts all of the civil lawsuits If anything, it might make some of those cases stronger, but I don't know if it actually benefits them in the end because if they're all locked away in prison, then is it even worth Jay Edelson going after any of them? Like, where is the money going to come from? How are they going to get the money? Like, if anything, if they all get locked up, I don't see how this benefits any of the civil cases all that much, but I'm not a legal professional. I'm a layman that's just reading all of the documents and trying to put the pieces together myself. So we'll have to see. But at least for today... Kimono's locked up. Locked up, they won't let me out. Locked up, they won't let me out. Culture, society, on every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes, we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. We shall see. Okay, I do want to talk buying Beverly Hills on Netflix. It is on Netflix now. Only eight episodes. It's a short series. They're less than an hour each. It's a fun, easy binge, okay? I'm I'm actually, I'm not endorsed or paid or anything, but I figured since we all... We don't have Beverly Hills on right now. Let's watch buying Beverly Hills with Mauricio and Kyle. So I'm going to give you my full recap and overview. I'm not going to give too many spoilers. I don't think there really are any spoilers to really give from the season. Um, Yeah, I just I think, listen, there's drama. There's emotion, there's heart, there's competition, there's luxury real estate. I mean, we're talking money, honey, like multi-million dollar, not like a two million dollar house, but like the lowest, the least expensive sale I think I remember seeing was a six million dollar house. And we're talking like 20 million dollar homes, 40 million dollar homes. Like this is big money, honey. And we're seeing these houses and they are decked. Out. Okay. The show itself is good. A lot of people are comparing it to selling sunset. I think it's better than selling sunset. Overall, big fan of the show. I'm amped for a second season. It hasn't been greenlit or picked up for a second season yet, but it also came out less than a week ago. I would imagine it's going to be picked up for a second season. Um, I would give it a B plus. That's an insider joke for anyone that's already seen it. But in actuality, I would probably give it an A. I thought it was that good. There's hardly any Kyle in it, except for like one small FaceTime scene. But there's really no Kyle. Mauricio, I think, said that it was a contract issue. It was a network issue. Obviously, NBC owns Bravo. Netflix and NBC don't have any crossover affiliation. So I would imagine, you know, it's easy for Kyle to make an... Uh, an appearance or a cameo on ultimate girls trip or on paris in love because those are both airing on peacock and on e which is all still owned by nbc so those are a lot easier to do you know yeah because then she was even on the last season of keeping up with the kardashians with chris and faye but again that's e it's still nbc this is Netflix, so I don't think it's that easy for her to just dip over in the reality genre. Obviously, you know, doing Halloween, that's different because that's a motion picture that's a film. So no Kyle other than one small, one very teeny tiny FaceTime scene. Um, it also features their daughters, Farah and Alexia. Farah's the shark. She's Moe's secondhand man. She's right at the top of the agency with Mauricio. We have Alexia, who's younger than Farah. I believe she's the second oldest. She's new. She's just getting her feet wet. Lots of stumbles along the way for Alexia. Lots of stumbles. She's learning. She's trying. She wants to find her footing. She wants to prove herself and not just be under the umbrella of Mauricio and Farah because Farah's older sister. Mauricio's her dad. Farah's. Mauricio's stepdaughter he's raised her since she was five years old so she does refer to him as Mauricio it's an interesting dynamic you can tell I know a lot of people are like oh nepotism 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 but Mauricio makes a really good point when it comes to Alexia where he's like listen I'm her dad I own a company a lot of people hire their kids at their own companies it's very common whether you have, you know, a small store and you have your son work in the front desk or, you know, you have a knitting business and your kids are helping you pack the packages for sweaters or whatever the case may be. It's natural to have your kids work for your company, number one. And number two, he's like, of course, I'm going to give my daughter a leg up. If I, as her dad, I'm not the one to give her a leg up, like, who's going to do it. And that's true. Any of us that would have had an opportunity to get a leg up wherever we get it from, we want a chance. We want someone to take a chance on us and he's taking a chance on his daughter. So I think if we were all in that position, we would all be like, yes, daddy. Listen, I'll still call Mauricio daddy. Okay, then we have uh, Santiago and Santiago is a partner at the firm. We don't get too much of him. He's cute. He's high up the hierarchy. Not a whole lot involved in the action then we have ben Balak. and so ben Balak is a senior agent at the firm and he's also like a social media star in his own head right he's currently dating amanda who also works at the agency so ben Balak, very much one of the the prime stars on the show big personality lots of opinions fun to watch then we have joey And I have a bit of a crush on Joey because he's cute. He's one of the newbies. He's one of the junior agents. He's hungry. He's ambitious. He's a little full of himself. But it's okay at 25 years old. You're a little full of yourself when you're getting into real estate, right? He's also got a little fling-a-ding-ding with Alexia. Very into her. It's very clear. They say that they've like fooled around and made out and stuff, which is kind of weird because they're both on Team Umansky, which is Mauricio's team of agents, senior and junior agents. And so it's kind of weird. Very curious how Mauricio feels now after watching this little interesting fling-a-ding-ding that they have. But I like Joey. He's probably my favorite on the show. Maybe next to Ben Balak, And they have a little competition, Joey and Ben. You know, they, they got their little vibe going on. Then there's John. John's another senior agent. He's cute. He's got great brows. His wife is Lauren. She also works at the agency. So it's all just very incestuous. Like we all just date each other here. We date each other. We make out with each other. We bang each other. It happens. That's like when when I say the family business, it is a family affair. Then there's Brandon. Brandon used to be a dancer. He's now thrown in the towel to become an agent. He, you know, is one of the, the junior agents trying to make it happen. Also very ambitious, very much trying to prove himself, which kind of makes sense because he's older. He's in his mid to late 30s. So it makes sense that he's like, I need to prove myself compared to someone like Alexia, who's 25 and whose dad is the boss of the company because I have to try a lot harder. He also, you know, talks about the struggle of being a black man that's a real a realtor. And trying to make it in real estate and how being in the luxury real estate business, it does come with challenges and how he's been to listings where security guards have questioned whether or not he's supposed to be there. So he does bring an interesting perspective to the table as somebody, you know, in luxury real estate that has made a big pivot in his career. He's no longer a dancer. He's kind of shifting things up. And there's a lot more for him to lose, right? Where some of the younger agents like Joey or Alexia or one of the other girls that we'll get to in a minute it shows that like his hunger and his ambition you can tell is there, but it's because it's not just because he thinks this is like a cute job. He actually is putting all his eggs in this basket. And you know, at this point it's either sink or swim. Then we have Allie. She's another senior agent. She just had a baby. Very pretty. It's probably the most I have to say about Allie. She doesn't come out all that much. Then we have Melissa. Oh my God. Melissa bit of a bitch, little shady, but definitely makes for some good drama on the show. You're going to love to hate her or you're probably just going to hate her. That's kind of what you get with Melissa. Everyone on the show kind of just goes around and tells everybody everything and they have confidential conversations and then they go and tell everybody else about it and then it becomes a big thing and everybody gets into trouble. And Melissa is very much a part of all of that. She's also close with Farrah, and she has a little bit of beef with Alexia. So that's fun and enjoyable. I don't think she meant any harm. Okay, I guess this is a little spoiler-ish territory, but let me see if I can. Like, what is my analysis of Melissa? Um, I think she got caught up in the moment of being on a reality show and was doing a little kiki moment. She was talking a little shit about Alexia, which, to be fair, Alexia really did stumble a lot. You know, but she's new. She's starting out. She's trying to prove herself. She's trying to build confidence. But Melissa definitely positioned as maybe like one of the show villains, even though she's not like a full villain. I wouldn't say there is a full on villain, but they definitely tried to vilify Melissa quite a bit. Then there's Sonica. I wasn't that jazzed by Sonica. She used to be on American Idol. Cute. She's now a junior realtor at the agency. Cute. She's dating Kevin who also works at the agency. I'm telling you, everybody's dating everybody. She's a little dramatic. She's very emotional. She has very little confidence. Um, I don't actually think she wants to pursue real estate. That's not the vibe. in the. Imp- it's definitely, it doesn't seem that this is the industry for her. I think, you know, it's something she's doing right now, maybe to find herself like a, su- a successful realtor hubby while she pursues music on the side. And he can like bring in the money. And then she'd be like, yes, I'm going to sing again. Buy me my own studio, daddy. It's expensive to be me. I also think that she's mainly doing this for, like, the camera time, right? She likes being on the show. She's hoping that it'll lead to something. She always talks about American Idol. I used to do American Idol. I used to be a singer. I used to do American Idol. There's a scene where there's Whitney Cummings involved, and she they're looking at Whitney's house, and it's a gorgeous house, and Whitney looks impeccable. Her outfit was just, like, killer. Love Whitney Cummings. But... She sings for Whitney and she's like, oh, my God, like, this is what I do. And Whitney's like, sing for me, sing for me, darling, sing for me, Paolo. And Sonica sings and she has a great voice. And I think that's what she really wants to do. I don't think she cares. I just I don't see her as a real as a realtor. She just doesn't have the raw ambition. She doesn't have the desire. She doesn't really care to come up in the ranks. She doesn't really care to try harder other than to do the shtick for the show which is, I guess, kind of similar to Alexia, but I think Alexia really wants to try to make this work, and she wants to be part of the family business. She steals a lot of the scenes, often judged as the boss's daughter. Everyone feels like they have to tiptoe around Alexia. She starts off very rocky, definitely lacks confidence, but I feel like by the end, she really starts to find her footing. She tries to, you know, prove herself, and I think she does do a good job of that. I do think there is a bit of nepotism, but again, I think, It's a family business. Of course, you're going to hire your kids. Um, I really grew to like Alexia. I think she's a great reality star, and I was very caught off guard by that because I didn't think I was going to really care about her all that much. And I will say she's very much like Kyle. Talks just like her mother, acts just like her mother, her mannerisms are just like Kyle. I think it's actually kind of cute. I would imagine that this is what Kyle was like at Alexia's age, which is about 25. So I thought it was cute. Farah. Love Farah. I think Farah is the real star of the show. She's a total boss bitch. She makes money, honey, money, honey, and she dresses impeccably. Like love Farah. Love her. Doesn't get involved much. I mean, she doesn't like. She's not like super high drama, and she's not like as um, like Alexi is very emotional. Melissa very much brings some of the drama. Joey brings some of the drama. Ben knows how to perform on camera. John has his role. Farrah, like, uh, like she's not like a high performer, but she brings the luxe, the glam, and just like the confidence. Like she is just innately ambitious and confident and she knows what she wants and I think she has a really strong presence on the show even though it isn't very high drama with her uh, I didn't love her like whole engagement storyline because she talks about how she wants to get engaged and everyone's like when are you gonna get engaged and she doesn't know when she's gonna get engaged because her fiance her now fiance doesn't want to get engaged and then finally you know He decides to propose and it feels like her now fiance, he didn't really want to get married, which I guess he's very clear about at the beginning of the season, but ultimately he proposes to her. It's a very lackluster proposal. He doesn't really seem to be into the idea of marriage. It really just seems like he's trying to appease her. I feel like she deserved a big extravagant thing. Like, if you held out that long, then give her a show. Like, she deserves the show. The flower petals, everything. Not just like a, we're having dinner at home, and I'm just going to pull out the ring and surprise. I want to marry you, babe. You want to marry me? Gorgeous ring. She's got a cute manicure. Manicure. She's rocking the ring the entire time, so... Yeah, she really finds her footing with Mauricio, which I think is an interesting dynamic, standing up for herself. Um, you can tell that, you know, they have an interesting sort of relationship because she's his stepdaughter. She refers to him as Mauricio. Her father is still very much involved in, in the picture. So, yeah. Interesting dynamic, but you can tell that there is still a lot of love there. But you can tell that there seems to be, like, Alexia is definitely treated differently than Farah is by Mauricio. And so I think that's why everyone tiptoes more around Alexia than they do around Farah Because it's obvious that, like, Alexia is Mauricio's baby girl. And even though I think he definitely sees Farah as a daughter, you can just tell there's a different, it's a different relationship. Um... But yeah, you can tell that like Mauricio definitely prioritizes the family. He wants to keep the family in the business. He wants to keep the business family oriented. And that obviously comes with a lot of its challenges, right? And the sister dynamic and the father dynamic and the dynamic of everybody else in the office that are like, oh my God, I think it's a really good show. The family aspect gives it a lot of heart. We get Mauricio's backstory. We see him in this boss role, which I don't think we've ever seen him in before. We only see him like getting high on Beverly Hills and not wearing a shirt. But, you know, we get some drama. We see him have to make some tough decisions. We see him stand firm. We, um, I don't think any of it really feels that forced. It's a lot of people, uh, or I would say it's it's what a lot of people love about real estate shows, Million Dollar Listing selling Sunset, selling OC, we see the glam, we see the competition, but we also see the family side of it too, which I think brings a lot of heart to the show. And one of the reasons that I think sets it apart from those other shows, and actually makes it better than those other shows, if I'm being honest. So those is my thoughts. I highly recommend watching Bind Beverly Hills on Netflix. Binge it. I binged it over the weekend. I thought that it was great. I finished the final two episodes today, and I was loving it. So I'd recommend it. Let me know if there are other shows that you're watching that you really like. I'm trying to think. Um, I know the new season of Bling Empire is out. I haven't finished that yet. I did start it, though. But I'm curious what other... People like Dubai Bling. I know there's a New York Bling that's coming out soon, too, right? So we'll see. We shall see. All right, guys. Well... Thank you for joining me on this very fun tidbit mini episode of... Or not mini, because our episodes used to always be a half hour, and then they kind of continued. They grew over into an hour, and now they kind of fall between the 30 minute to the 40 minute to the one hour mark. But... Thank you for listening to hashtag no filter with Zach Peter. If you want to keep up with me, you can keep up with me at just plain Zach, or you can keep up with the podcast at no filter with Zach stock up on some housewives, watch and wine at no wine.com 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It is my housewives, watch and wine, no filter wine available at no filter, wine.com for fun designs inspired by some of our favorite, most iconic housewives moments so stock up now must be 21 or older to order. Please sip responsibly. It's great as the weather's getting chilly. And we want to have a little warm beverage or a beverage to warm us up as we get a little lit. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. I will talk to you live Thursday for our Thursday night live. And that's all I got for you. All right. Well, talk to you later. Love you. Mean it. Bye.